The Tunnel to Towers Foundation supports America's greatest heroes, our service members, and first responders who die or are severely injured in the line of duty, as well as homeless veterans. These are heroes we all owe a debt of gratitude to. The Foundation's Gold Star, Fallen First Responders, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs honor the sacrifices made for us. We're honoring the men and women who risk their lives and bodies for our country and our communities. The Foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America with over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year. Not to mention there are dozens of golf outings and barbecues. The Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute educates kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about our nation's darkest day while helping our nation keep its vow to never forget. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another fabulous episode of the Buck Sexton Show. Very special guest in this episode. Matthew Marsden is with us now. He is a British actor. Now, some of you will recognize his voice. Those of you who are watching us on YouTube, which you should subscribe to, or Rumble, rumble.com slash Buck Sexton, youtube.com slash Buck Sexton. Check him out. Uh, you'll see his face. You'll be like, wait a second. I know that guy because you've seen him in Ridley Scott's Black Hawk Down, Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen, Rambo, just Rambo because it was one of the ones, it was the one that came after the Roman numeral ones, Resident Evil Extinction, Bounty Killer, and the film adaptation of Atlas Shrugged. Matthew, great to have you on, sir. Thanks for joining. Thank you for having me. All right, so I, I want to start with some of the Hollywood stuff. We're also going to talk about life as a as a Texan now for you. British-born, but now Texan through and through. Uh, you went through getting canceled back in 2010. You can tell us about that. And then America Today. So we we got a lot of ground to cover, but i got to start with this. Of the movies that you were in, and you've got some great ones here, which one was the most fun to actually be a part of? I mean, I think, look, Black Hawk Down is for a lot of my friends from the special operations community, the best military special operations movie ever made. A lot of them would say it's the most realistic mm -hmm. and the best. Um, so I think we can just sort of, and Black Hawk Down's an amazing movie. A lot, I, I might even put it in my top 10. Um, but in terms of fun movies to do, was it Black Hawk Down or was it, you know, I, the Resident Evil stuff was fun. Yeah, I mean, I think... It's really difficult to say, like, which one was the most fun because they all have their things, right? So, like, Black Hawk Down, my first introduction to, you know, it was my first movie in Hollywood, uh, uh, working with the special operations community, which was obviously an amazing – It was for me, it was a really great fit, right? I was like, these are my people. So I enjoyed that, you know, flying around in helicopters, you know, my first experience with a weapon, which was awesome. Uh, so that, and you know, I'm working with Ridley Scott, you know, every day I was on set and I was like, good grief, I'm working with Ridley Scott. It was, it was so amazing and all those different actors. I mean, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, Rambo was a lot of fun, you know, because most of us, you know, Generation X's grew up loving Stallone, you know, so when you're there opposite him and he's directing you, I mean, that was really really quite something. What's he, what's he like? You know, I mean, you know, when he's, when he's doing it, do you just get the sense that he loves he loves making movies even to this day or is he is he super focused and intense is he pretty laid back what's his vibe so 
um, he directed me, which was which is kind of strange because most people would have him as a as a co-star and and whatever, or you know, act opposite him. So, but he was he was very well attuned to what an actor needs. So like when I got all my gear and so, so I'll tell you a little bit of a story about, about how this movie came about. Right. So I get a call from my agent and my agent's like, um, Hey, <laughs> they're doing another Rambo. Like, you know, this real, like dismissive. And I was like, they're doing a what? <laughs> they're doing Rambo. Are you serious? And he was like, yeah. I said, do you want to, do you want to meet on it? I was like, of course. And actually I, I read for it originally, um, the character of Lewis, which was an SAS guy. And I know a lot of those SAS guys and they're actually nothing like that character. So I played him the way in yeah. the audition. The he, way that guy, that, was he the guy in the Rambo movie who was the douche? Basically he was a jerk. Yeah. 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 yeah sure. Yeah. And he's actually the sweetest guy in real life. He's an absolute sweetheart. But, um, Sorry for that role. And I played it exactly like the guys I know, you know, the gray man, very laid back, very, you know, understated. And he, I, I get a call and they're like, Hey, listen, um, Stallone wants to meet you and he wants you to read for schoolboy. And schoolboy was actually a, a team's guy. He was a Navy SEAL. And so anyway, I, I go and meet with Sly. It's a really, it's a really funny thing actually. I go into his office and I'm like, you know, I mean, look, I'm a fan like everybody else. And I go into the office trying to be cool, you know, trying not to get like geeked out. And you know, he he comes along and we go and sit in his office and he, he we talk for some time about weapons. Super smart, like super well read. And I said to him, well, look, he said, I want you to play the character British. And I said, okay, well. I think it'd be cool if he's an SBS guy, you know, a special boat squadron guy, because they're the Royal Marines, you know, the, the, they're all from the Royal Marines and the Royal Marines are the Green Berets, right? So, and actually my character is meant to take over the franchise from Stallone. So, um, so he, he takes it all in. He's just like a sponge. He takes it all in and then he walks over to the DVD player and he puts in this DVD and sits down and presses play and it's like ba 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 ba, and I'm like, holy crap! I'm watching Rocky, the trailer for Rocky with Rocky. Balboa hadn't come out then. It was just a very surreal experience for me. And um, and then when we got over to um, we got over to Thailand to do the filming, he'd written all that in that I'm an SBS guy. You know, done all the research, put it all in. He wasn't afraid, like, of, of taking a good idea that he thought fitted the script. And he just plugged it in. So there it was. So that was that was pretty amazing, man. That was pretty amazing. Yeah. And then w- were you in a Resident Evil movie with, I assume, although I don't, there's so many at this point that I can't keep it all straight. I did play the video game as a kid, uh, the original OG <laughs> yeah. Resident Evil. So I have some familiarity yeah. with it. Uh, but you, was Mila Mila Jovovich in it? Yeah, What's yeah, she Mila like? was in all. She, I know Mila and Paul really well, actually. Uh, Paul Anderson, who's a Brit, um, and she's um, she's a real sweetheart in real life. She's a real sweetheart, um, intense. She's a badass. You know she. She trains really, really hard for all those films. So yeah, it's it's that one there. 
so yeah, it was like, mm, it's called Resident Evil Extinction. I figure that everyone's going to die in this film. And of course, you know, they make a lot of money and so they come back and do another one. And a bit of a, a trivia about that film, that was directed by a guy called Russell Mulcahy, who directed Highlander. And so I was just like, I want to work with this guy. I don't care what it is. I want to work with him. So, so that was awesome. And he did uh, the Queen videos back in the day and, um, and the Duran Duran videos. So that was a, a great experience working with him. Now, you also were an Atlas Shrugged, which to our mostly mm-hmm. conservative, although we got people of all kinds of political persuasions who, who listen, but mostly conservatives. I, I know my people. Uh, they all know Atlas Shrugged. How, how was that? Well, that was a really interesting thing because, you know, I tend to get both. I've, I've played a lot of heroes, but I've also played a lot of villains. And so, you know, they cast me as James Taggart. And really, I would have loved to have played Hank Reardon. Um, but so I got cast in it as James Taggart. And I'm like, okay, so who will I base the character on? I really wanted to take someone and base the character uh, on that individual. And I just thought that John Edwards was a really good fit for uh, uh, for James Taggart. So that's what I based the character so, so on. So the, you know? the slimy South Carolina yeah. <laughs> politician who was almost the Democrat nominee for president and who still to this day is the only person I've ever heard on television when caught cheating on his cancer-stricken wife. Do you remember this? He said in the interview... I do, I do. Well, she was in remission when I cheated on her. No, no. Just that was a real lawyer. Just, that was a real ambulance chaser no. moment for that guy. <laughs> well, every now and then you get the veil slips, right? And you get the real person. And uh, apart from with Trump, who's the, the real person all the time. Um, but yeah, I wanted to base on that. And, and you know, I'd not heard of Ayn Rand. So I do, I went and read, I read the Pantheon and I, I got into Atlas Shrugged, of course. And when you get to the end, it's like that, you know, that meme that you see, it's like, are we the baddies? I'm like, I don't want to play. I didn't really, I wanted to play Hank Reardon. Uh, so there's still time, right? Because the Daily Wire are going to go and do, they're going to reboot Atlas Shrugged. So who knows? I wouldn't yeah, no, I, look, I, I, hope, I hope that so, there's a lot more. Uh, I wouldn't even say it's necessarily even conservative content, just traditional entertainment content that can be made. That's not all this this woke crap. But we'll get we'll get into that in a second. But from our sponsor, okay. T, uh, from our sponsor Norton LifeLock. If you're a T-Mobile subscriber, guess what? There's data breach. Thirty-seven million customers had their information exposed. Cyber hackers get that stuff. They take out loans and credit cards in your name. How do you find out about this? Usually, when the collections company calls you, which is how you don't want to find out. So, what can you do about this? That's where, that's where LifeLock comes in. Their online identity theft protection includes monitoring the web 24-7 for regular activities and new account openings. If they see unusual activity in your name and you're a LifeLock customer, like I've been now for five, six years, you'll get an alert. Comes via text, email, phone, you name it. Make sure that you're ready and you know. It's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives. And if you do become a victim of identity theft, a LifeLock U.S.-based dedicated restoration specialist will work with you to fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but it's easy to help protect yourself with LifeLock. Join now, save up to 25% off your first year with promo code BUCK at LifeLock.com or call 1-800-LIFELOCK. That's Buck uh, promo code BUCK at LifeLock.com. You'll get 25% off or 1-800-LIFELOCK. Call that number. Sign up today. All right, sir. Um, by the way, there's another actor 
who played Cyclops with the same last name. No mm -hmm. relation? No, everyone asks me that. It's really weird. Because it's kind I'm of sure a, it's kind of an unusual unusual name, right? Like I've never I have never the only two Mars dens I've ever known of are two guys who are both actors and you know, kind of look alike. So you do you, have you guys ever like people have um have rage tweeted at me before because I share the same last uh, name as some like extreme leftist uh, writer. And they're like, is this guy, your cousin, you got to tell him to shut up. You know? I'm like, I have no idea who this idiot is. Like, this yeah. has nothing to do with me. Uh, have you, and, have you and, uh, and Cyclops, um, you know, James Marsden, have you, have you guys ever like just talked to each other a little bit? Be like, Hey, other Marsden. No, I haven't. I'm sure he's probably getting it worse than me. Trust me. I mean, so I, I kind of get like, I get the, the trolls saying, uh, oh, I loved you in the X-Men. I'm like, oh, that's so funny. You are so funny. But you know what's weird? Like, so in England, it's kind of a traditional English name. I mean, it goes back to the Doomsday book, right? So when I come over here, it's really funny. You know, when you go through uh, the checkout at the grocery store, yeah, yeah. it's always like this. Sounds like go. Thank you, Mr. Mr. Mert. It's okay. It's okay. Close and I just up. take the receipt yeah. and go. They can't say it. They, it's, it's very strange. It's for an Englishman, is well, now an American, but uh, for someone from England, it's very strange because it's, it's a very old name. Do you have to adjust your accent based on the expectations of the character you're playing, as in, I always find this fascinating. Do you know Leilani Doubting, by the way? She's... Uh, I do. I do. Yeah, she's, she's awesome. Yeah. She's awesome. A lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, we had her on the show, and I talked to her about this and, and how, you know, she has a posh accent and you know, we're doing this whole thing. But I think it's funny because in theater and film, the English accent is whatever it's a historical piece, even if it's set in ancient Rome, they have British accents, right? Because that makes sense to people for some reason. <laughs> and then... The fancy people sound like fancy Englishmen and the, uh, you know, the, the sort of the, the stonemasons and the, uh, you know, the guys, the proles, whatever, they all have like a Cockney accent. So do you have to yeah. switch in and out depending? Yeah, you do. I, it is funny. I had a, a conversation with a producer about that uh, once when I, I was, he offered me a job and I was in his, in his, he got this amazing room in the studios in Warner Brothers, and he was watching Troy. Do you remember Troy? Oh yeah, great movie. Brad Pitt. Yeah. So the so the trailer came on, and he was like, "Oh, everybody, why is he doing an American accent? Like everyone should do a British and British accent and a historical epic." You know, I was like that. I'm okay with that. It keeps me uh, fed and watered, you know, by doing the British accent. But uh, I think it's one of those things where. Distant, so it allows the audience to kind of separate uh, uh, from the characters. So therefore, mentally, kind of gives them that kind of space, you know, to say it's like old. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I've had the funny thing about being a British actor is that agents, especially, think you can do everything, like just everything. I, I got called one day, and they were like, "Hey, Matt, uh, we have an audition for you tomorrow," and I was like, "Okay." And they were like, it's 17 pages in a Louisiana accent. Oh, so I don't know what that is. <laughs> so I'll tell I, I you something. I'll, I'll tell you something. I find that when British actors do um, variations on the American accent, they're much better 
than when they're just like trying to sound like an American. You know, they they which it, 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 I I can sniff you guys out usually with your American standard American accent, but if they do a Southern accent, if they do, you know, if they really lean into something that has a, a particular localized flavor to it. It's uh, they're they're generally it's more passable. It it sounds more authentic. Uh, maybe just because that's not yeah, what well, I'm always used to hearing. Well, there's a reason for that, and you know, I mean, I can hear it as well. I mean, I can really hear Americans doing British. They're not very good at it. The women are. The women are passable, but for the most part, you know, everyone speaks like this. But so here's a little bit of a thing to do the accent. So the first thing with Americans is, and and this is a a common misconception. Uh, Americans tend to say, like if I said that I was going to go to the store, right? I'd say, I'm going to go to the store. Americans would say, I'm going to the store. I'm going to the store, right? So people see the inflection on the on the I, right? Like the me. Right. So then that, that will give a lot of people, that's why, you know, Americans in Europe or, or to Brits, They'll go, oh, you know, they're full of themselves or they're all about me. And it's not. It's just the inflection on that, on that particular, you know, word. Me, I. Uh, and then the other thing to do is uh, the reason why Brits do Southern accents so well is because it's more sing-song, right? It goes up and down. Yeah. Whereas if you want to do an American accent, like what you first do is you close your mouth so you don't really move your mouth much. Okay, so and then you make it like a letterbox. That's pretty and you good. Push the sound yep. back to here, and then you know you you go down on the second diphthong mostly. So really, you don't go up and then down. So there you go. Pretty good. So that's the way you do it. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, yeah. It's uh, almost as if I should be an actor. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> it's like guy who's been in some been in some good stuff in Hollywood. Speaking of which, mm-hmm. uh, I want I want you to tell everybody how you broke in because I always think that's such an interesting. Uh, interesting discussion, um, and I'll, I'll come back to you with that in one second. But do you have a my pillow, by the way? Real question: We got to hook you up. Do you? Do. Oh, you do. I actually do. Well, well, I do, uh, or I did. I did have one. All right. We're gonna get here. you. Well, I had one before I moved. We're gonna get you hooked up because my pillow is a sponsor of this podcast. So the my pillow Giza Dream sheets right now, amazing deal on them for everybody out there. Twenty nine ninety eight with promo code Buck. It's time to update your sheets, my friends. Buy a set of Giza Dream sheets made with the world's best cotton, Giza. Cotton comes from a region of Egypt by the same name. Incredibly soft, durable, luxurious cotton is grown there. Giza sheets are ultra soft and breathable. They've got a great looking appearance, and they just stay crisp and fresh and fantastic over time. My pillow products come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. You get eight weeks of sleeping every night on these sheets to make sure you love them. So nothing to lose, so much to gain, like a great night's sleep night after night. Go to MyPillow.com, click on Radio Listener Specials, check out the flash sale on the Giza Dream Sheets. Remember, use my name as the promo code BUCK. That's MyPillow.com, promo code BUCK, or call 800-792-3269, 800-792-3269. All right, so Matthew, I wanted to uh, ask about how you broke in. It's funny because there's this meme that's uh, going around and it's a segment of an interview with god i can't remember he's like a you know he's a well-known actor he's in the notebook you know he, you know what i'm talking about that guy he's the ryan gosling yeah ryan gosling thank you ryan gosling and he's just telling he's talking about what it's actually like and it's funny because it reminds me a little bit of trying to get into political or news media too 
there's people that see it when you've been doing like I've been doing this now. This is my 13th year, I guess. Um, and that was mm-hmm. after what, five years in the CIA. Um, people see this and like, oh, I want to do that. I'm like, well, if you want to do this, understand that it means you're going to do a lot of things for free over a long period of time uh, for very small audiences, for very little appreciation. People are going to tell you you're not that good at it. People are going to tell you that you should find other things to do. You know, so that's the, the news media short version of it. I mean, I can give sort of more details one day if people care. Um, but on the uh, Gosling thing, he says it's like you show up to the audition all these other guys are handsome and ready to go. You find out that somebody already basically has the part. So then you're just doing it as an exercise. And then you go out and you have a parking ticket waiting for you on your car, which you didn't see uh, that it was in a zone where you couldn't park. Cause that's where the audition sign was set up. And anyway, is like, what was it like breaking in? Well, you know, that's absolutely what it's like in Los Angeles. I've got to tell you, it's, it, that is exactly right. So I think the difference is uh, between coming from England and doing it is that you never really think. The great thing about America is that you can walk off the street and become an actor and become a star and make millions of dollars. The bad thing about America is that you can walk off the street, become a star and make millions of dollars, right? As you've seen by a lot of the comments of the people uh, that are in that industry, and, and I believe you know, one of my one of my thoughts on that is they have a guilt because it's something that they haven't really earned. Uh, but that's a conversation for another time, maybe. But so, but for me, um, I grew up in a very. I actually went to the same school as Tolkien, which is pretty cool. Uh, and I had a dream of being an actor. It was either like going to go and be a late. I come from a very like poor background right with a single parent and so i always dreamed of i loved american movies always dreamed about going to america always dreamed about american films but that was never going to happen you know but as it turned out i was really good at learning um lines and and good on stage so there's a filter process in the uk right so you have to be good at theater first, so you got to get in at theater. And I got in at, to something called the National Youth Theater, which is like the premier uh, um, kind of young actors go there. Um, everyone you can think of, Helen Mirren, Derek Jacobi, um, Daniel Craig, you know, all those guys all went through the National Youth Theater. And so that's that was kind of a calling card for me. Like people take you really seriously if you've managed to get that. If I didn't have that, I would, I would have had a real uphill struggle because it's very much an old boys network. Oh, you know, you're showing to your son, okay, I'll come on in. Um, somebody, and I, but what happened with me was I got that and then pretty much on my first audition, I got a show called Emmerdale, which is at the time was the third biggest show in the country. And that was crazy. I did that for like three months and then my second audition, I got the biggest show in the UK called Coronation Street. And this is, it's a soap, but it's like, it's a national institution. You know, the Queen used to sit down with the Queen mom to watch it. Uh, so it was a big deal. Like Ian McKellen's been in it, Joan Wally Kilmer's been in it. Been in it. Um, everyone wants to be in that show because it's kind of like a real cult classic. It's a, a British institution. And I was in that for, I think, four months. I won the Best Newcomer Award at the National Television Awards. I didn't expect that at all. And um, 
And then from there, I decided I was only going to be in it for a year. And most people, especially with that kind of success, stay in it forever. But they never leave. They, you know, they're there for 40 years, have a good living. But I always saw myself as I wanted to challenge myself. I wanted to be better, uh, see how, a better actor, not better than the show. I just wanted to, to challenge myself. And so I actually left there and I, I, uh, I got a recording contract with Columbia Records, which was, which was cool. So I did that for a year or so. And Wait, what kind of, like rock, rock music? What were you doing? No, it was more like R&B. I actually did a single with Destiny's Child, which was with Beyonce, which was, uh, which was kind of interesting. Uh, you were was, an R&B singer? Like, I mean, we're going, we're going deep yeah. into, the, into the reality <laughs> here. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, people discover this about, I don't tell many people, you know, because uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't really talk about it much. Uh, but yeah, that was pretty cool. I uh, went around Europe singing. Um, here's the thing. In the UK, like for me, it was a survival thing, right? I was like, okay, I'm probably not going to get into movies, but I'll probably get into theatre. And if I get into theatre, I need to do more than just theatre. I need to do musical theatre as well. So I learned how to sing. So I got to singing classes so I could just open up my possibilities of work. It was just survival, really. So. Um, but I always had that flavor, you know, because I wasn't like massively classically trained. So I always had a little bit of the, a bit of the soul. So um, I did that. Then I, um, I found out that there was a movie being made called China with Michael Caine. And so I took a year off and I trained with a, a guy who was the WBC super middleweight champion of the world. It was a boxing film. So I trained with him for a year in a, it's kind of cool, in a, in a power station in Telford. It was like this huge, like industrial power station. So I trained with him for a year and then I auditioned for the role. And, um, and when they asked me, you know, could I fight, could I box? I said, I'll fight anyone for this role. If you can put me in the ring with anybody, I'll fight for it. And, um, I got that role. And because Michael was, um, nominated for Cider House Rules at that time, everyone, there was a lot of focus on this film. And who's this kid? You know, it's like kid. I was 28, 27. You know, who's this kid who's in this movie with Michael Caine and who's holding his own opposite him? And Star Wars, I was auditioning for Star Wars at that time. I was, I was getting whittled down. So my name was going around Hollywood. And the thing about Hollywood is they want to get on whoever's the new thing. So, you know, we have a reputation as British actors as being kind of serious actors. And, um, and this is pre-MCU, right? It's pre-before all the big roles went to British actors. Um, and, uh, and, and I had a manager, I had a few managers come over and agents come over and ask me, fly to London and ask me to come to America. Uh, and so I said to one of them, I really vibed with, I said, okay, uh, I'll see you on Friday. And she went, Nobody ever does that. Brits always say they never do that. So I bought a plane ticket, came over and I got Blackhawk down. Wow, so you came and, to America um, and you you hit Blackhawk down on your first yeah. shot in America. Yeah. Which as you well yeah. know, I mean one of the I think one of the greatest war certainly the greatest modern war movies of all time. Um mm. and Ridley Scott, I mean if I could pick somebody to do a historical epic or a war movie, um Ridley Scott would be my first choice, right? If I got to like write my dream script, I think Ridley Scott would be the director that I would want. 
So obviously Gladiator, if those watching, uh, Gladiator is a Ridley Scott movie. Absolutely phenomenal. There's so many of them. Um, so that's really cool. Is that how you got linked in with the uh, special operations community and the military side of things? I know mm-hmm. you're a big military supporter. Yeah, so I didn't know what a ranger was. I had no idea. I thought rangers were like Texas rangers. You know, and I had no idea. So we came over and we did um, we did a week of training, like intense training. That was kind of the thing back then. You know, they did it with um, they did it with Pearl Harbor. I think they did it with Private Ryan as well, Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. But so we came over. We went to Fort Benning, and it was really useful. You know, we we. They said, this is range orientation. It is not RIP. You know, you are not going through ranger school. That's not what it is. Um, and so we were right. We were like, okay. And they, they taught us a lot of stuff there. And one day we're outside the um, CQB area where they were teaching us to go in and clear houses. And there was a guy sitting under the, under the tree. It was like a hot day. And it, was a, it couldn't have been any older than like 22, 23 years old. And I said, um, you know, doing the actor thing. So why did you join? You know, because for me, my buddies that joined the military were like, you're either going to go to jail or you're going to go in the military, right? I mean, it wasn't like they didn't do it for any kind of like love of country, to be honest. And so this guy said, um, I joined for freedom, to fight for freedom. And that was like just a shocking thing for someone to say to me, you know, because that's mocked. In Europe, you know, like, oh, freedom fries, Americans, man, freedom. Not that I ever felt that way, but, you know, you hear that all the time. And and to have a guy sitting in front of me who who was going to put his life on the line for freedom, and not just like America, I did it for the United States, like for freedom. And I said to him, you'd die for me, wouldn't you? And he said, yes, sir. And I just thought, uh, this is just the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. I want to know who these men are. I want to know why they're willing to do this. I want to know more about this country. Because, you know, you, you, you in your young head, right, all I'm thinking about is I'm going to go and get another movie. I'm going to get another movie. I'm, blah, 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 blah. I'm not really thinking about, you know, the fabric of this country and why it's so great. And um, that really, like, spun me off on a voyage of discovery to see like, why is America so great? Why are these guys so willing to promote freedom? What freedom, isn't it always there? Like, you know, that because you grow up under that kind of ignorance, I guess. I mean, as, as Brits, we were very close, right? But there was a little bit, the channels was the only thing for a while that was stopping us uh, getting um, invaded. But um, the concept of freedom and liberty is not explained like it is here or used to be i don't know if it is so much anymore so uh, you know i started on that journey of looking into why is america so great oh there's this thing called the you know revolution there was i wonder why i was never taught it at school and i read it and i'm like hang on a minute i'd be on the side of the colonials right i'd be on their side i wouldn't be on the side of the british i'd want to fight against them and and then you find out about George Washington and, and just an incredible person. And then all those people coming together to create, um, you know, the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. And you're just like, this is the greatest thing. This is just the, the greatest thing ever. And then, of course, you want to 
that extrapolates out right to different things like why why you know the states like this finding out the history and then it's very difficult not to get involved right very difficult not to get involved uh, because you realize that it's a very precious thing that should be fought for i want to ask you about your um situation of cancellation in hollywood which you had mm. mentioned to me um, and uh, I want you to dive into that for us uh, in just a second. But I also want to ask the audience how their energy level is these days. Are you feeling as fit and energetic as you think you could? Because you can get it all dialed in with chalk. Chalk provides supplements that help so many men and women already in this audience. You got to try it out for yourself. I learned about chalk about a year ago. They make the most effective supplements that bring your energy levels back to an optimum level. They spent years looking for the right helpful ingredients and organize them into products, especially made for men and women. If you're looking for an answer that's a little more developed than a second cup of coffee after your first three cups of coffee, in my case, that's like five. Check out Chalk's male vitality stack or the female vitality stack. Each one is formulated to help maximize your everyday potential. Chalk is the website. C-H-O-Q. That's C-H-O-Q.com. Use my name, Buck, when you make your first purchase on the site. Get 35% off any Chalk subscription for life. Uh, 35% off when you go to chalk.com, chok.com. Use my name, Buck, as your promo code. Your subscription can be canceled anytime. You're not locked into anything, but 35% off for life, and you're going to love these products. chok.com, promo code Buck. Go check out Chalk. All right, Mr. Marsden. So what happened? Mm-hmm. You're, you get Blackhawk down. You're in all these cool <laughs> movies. You know, you get to you get to hang out with uh, Mila Jovovich, who when I was like a teenager, I thought was like amazing. And uh, you get to hang out with Sylvester Stallone, who's I mean, you know, Schwarzenegger Stallone. People go back and forth. One of the greatest action heroes of all time. Number one or number two, Mm -hmm. I think, in any reasonable world. But then you hit some issues. What happened? Well, I mean, it. I think really, it's kind of weird. It, it, it kind of all comes together with uh, what I was saying about before. I started like becoming more aware of things like I got married. Uh, I got more into my faith, right? So, so that straight away is like, you know, I'm not doing that job. I'm not doing that job. I'm not doing that job because, you know, it, there's a conflict. But that that still didn't matter because I was still getting enough work in. And then I went to a um, a couple of friends of mine said, "Hey, listen, we want to do a pitch to a group of investors so we can just do family friendly movies." That was it. It was just like you know, kiddie movies. Uh, will you come out with me and and do that? I was like, yeah. So I went out with them, and it was um, a group of Republicans, and I wasn't like nor here nor there on politics at that point. I mean, I was asking a lot of questions. I asked a lot of questions because I thought that the stuff with Obama, when people just, you know, when they were talking about Reverend Wright, that kind of, I had had a few issues with that, right? Because I was saying, well, either, you know, you have been in that pew for 27 years or however long it was and you actually listen to him and you believe him, uh, which is a problem, or you've been in that you for 27 years and you haven't listened to him which is then a problem because what are you doing going there so you know and i i was just asking these questions i was understanding that that was my first kind of experience of of people not answering the question right because it was uncomfortable so anyway um i went to this thing which was a bunch of republicans and as i'm coming out 
uh, there was a reporter there who said, hey, uh, Matt, what are you doing here? Because I'd just done Rambo and then I'd just done Transformers. And I've spent six months on Transformers. So it was a, it was a long film, uh, which they, they managed to mess up my credit at the end of that, like to the delight of all the trolls. But it was, but anyway, I come out and this the reporter says that. And I said, oh, you know, I'm just here uh, for family-friendly movies, to, to raise money for family-friendly movies. And then a few days later, the Huffington Post did an article out there. It was one of their contributors. And it was basically saying that, what was I doing here with all these conservatives? And the phone stopped ringing. And that was it. Like, you know, I, I, because you're going for meetings with people and they'll love you. And then all of a sudden it just goes away. And that article was really damaging because there weren't many people back then that were speaking out about politics and what it did was the first movie after that, I was hired by a bunch of libertarians to do out the shrug. So I didn't work for a year. And then everything, you know, if you're not, if you're not working, then what is your worth in the industry? Like what, what is your worth to your agents, to your managers? And, and that's it. It's just, so I had to kind of go, okay, um, that happened. So I need to pivot. And because, I'm a survivor, you know, I started looking into, you know, doing writing, producing, doing other things. I'd still get the, the odd job now and then. Uh, and then again, that kind of went really out the window when I out my gob about um, the vaccine and about mandates, because I just thought this is it. I, I just, this is something. And by the way, I never said anything political. I was not political at all. Never said a word. Um, there was no reason for them to think that I was being political, but it, it, my cancellation, even though many people wouldn't know it, I was on the up, right? So they were like, okay, we've got to shut that guy up. And there was, there was a lot of, there were ripples throughout the acting industry. And people were like, hey, listen, you know, better not say anything because that's what's going to happen. What's going to happen to him will happen to you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, I've, I've had conversations before uh, with friends in the, uh, let me, let me think, uh, friends from the arts, um, including mm-hmm. like the theater, like Broadway, friends from even the uh, fitness influencer world, friends who have done stuff that's really pure history or entered, who are saying, hey, I, I think I want to, I think I want to start speaking my mind and be conservative. And I always say, look, this is what I do. I love it. It's amazing. I love my job. I love my audience. I love what I get to do. You just need to understand the following things that it's once once you, you once you pull that lever, there's no there's no unpulling it. Right. Yeah. Once you ring that bell, you can't unring it. And it comes with stuff. And you know, you're seeing even just wanting to learn, be just be being curious, being willing to ask the important questions and not accepting bullcrap answers that actually alone is enough to get you canceled in a lot of in academia in Hollywood certainly in the news media if you're not an out of the closet conservative 
So that is the reality um, that people end up seeing and facing. And by the way, even in the CIA, when I was I was a CIA officer, uh, and uh, the the people that were always uh, I felt engaged in kind of partisan sniping, where it was always the libs, always the mm-hmm. big libs. No people that would complain about something called a Hatch Act violation, which somebody actually complained about me for when I was there, which is like talking about you know republic like literally talking about uh politics in a pro-conservative way in the office some people would report you like you know like you're supposed to be arrested by the stasi or something anyway that's the reality of it unfortunately because the left is insane on to happy things what are you doing now i mean i i know that you know you're active on twitter and you've got you got a following that loves that we have an actor with some awesome credits to his name who still loves freedom in America, a Brit who has become an American, a Texan, which is some would argue the first or second best kind of American after a Floridian. But anyway, close to be sure. So so what's up? What's up for you now? What's on the agenda? Well, um, I mean, first of yeah, I'd like to say that the reason why I started speaking out was because, you know, my relationship with the veterans of America and, and, you know, being so privileged to become an American. I think that that combination really made it so that I I couldn't see that, that tyranny that I was seeing and what I was seeing in California, like keep going on without saying anything, because I just felt like that would be very cowardly, especially when you have a bunch of guys that, you know, lose their lives, they, they lose their limbs for my freedom. So, you know, when it, when the COVID thing came around, I was just like, I'm not doing this. Like, you're not going to do this. I'm not going to come to America being American and you're going to force this on me. It's not going to happen. Especially if you look at all the, um, all the information was actually there. If you took five minutes to sift through it, you know, uh, it was very clear that none of it made any sense. And so I was like, you know what, you guys like canceled me before. So here we go. I'm just going to open my mouth and, and that is it. And I think, Buck, that that what what we should be doing, and conservatives are really bad at this, is sticking together, right? We don't look after the people that are in these these difficult situations. And I was seeing people getting really stressed out, uh, panicking. I'd see them on Twitter because I didn't I didn't want to say anything, but I saw them on Twitter and they're like, "What am I going to do? What am you know?" I feel isolated. So I'm like, well, here we go. This is my opportunity to reach out to people and perhaps even in my own little way, help them. Uh, so anyway, that was that. But what am I doing now? I, um, you know, as it turns out, I'm a pretty good writer. Um, I've, I've, uh, my first script that I wrote, I sold. My second script I made into a film that I directed. The third one was, um, was, Although not purchased, was uh, went up the flagpole at one of the uh, one of the biggest companies in the United States, and they want to work with me. So I'm writing right now, even though I'm just like the world's worst writer. They were like, they were like, listen, um, let's work together. I'm like, and I'll just write it on my own time. You know what I mean? Because I don't like the pressure of right. uh, of doing something, and and also. There are so many people that think they can do something. Like you say, you know, oh, I can act. Oh, I, I can do what you do. You're like, actually, you know, that's really hard. So for me to be spoken to as a writer is really hard. It's a, it's a real difficult change of mentality. So I'd rather just like do it and see where it goes. Uh, I was meant to direct a film this year that's been um, put on hold and, 
acting a movie, actually. Uh, they've both been postponed, which happens all the time, uh, for the next, you know, couple of weeks at least, and then we'll figure out what we're doing with it. But, but you know, I've just been, I've been super busy doing that. I've got baby, another baby on the way, which I have 300 children. Amazing. So, uh, yeah, this is baby. Uh, it's my ninth child. Wait, are you serious? So, uh, yeah, I'm dead serious. Yeah. Yeah. I'm dead serious. You have nine kids? I have nine kids. That is amazing. It's hard to hide, you know, that you, you, uh, you're open to life when you have that many kids. Like there's no, there's no hiding. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm doing that. Oh, I've got a movie I just did, uh, I did in November that will be coming out pretty soon. It's going to be very controversial. I'd say it's going to be super controversial. Great. Um, but, um, yeah, no, but it's, it's, it's going to be great. I know so, a guy, yeah, I, mean, um, I, I know a guy who co-hosts the biggest radio show in the country, um, that has millions of people, uh, every day listening. You should tell him when these projects come out and you can come on the very large radio show and talk to him and his uh, best buddy clay about what you're doing. Right on. I will. I'd love that. If I'm welcome, that'll be awesome. You are more than welcome. Uh, yeah. Do you have a website or anywhere where people can go to check out what you're up to? Uh, well, I just have my, if they want to see who I am and, and look me up, it's MatthewMarsden.com and Matthew D. Marsden is my handle at Twitter. I'm really bad. Like, I'm really, I really suck at that. Like, I'm kind of the old school guy that really what I would like to do is go and do my work and disappear into the background and nobody know anything about me. But, uh, but things have changed, haven't they? I mean, things aren't like that anymore. Everybody's but, uh, a marketing brand. It's just a question of I know how much they're doing it and what they're marketing. So Matthew Morris, then everybody. Hey, man, it has been an honor. I hope you'll come back and hang with us in a few months uh, as we roll along here. We'll follow up on some of this stuff. And uh, thanks, for, thanks for the chat. It was good to meet you. Thank you. Nice to meet you, too. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation supports America's greatest heroes, our service members, and first responders who die or are severely injured in the line of duty, as well as homeless veterans. These are heroes we all owe a debt of gratitude to. The Foundation's Gold Star, Fallen First Responders, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs honor the sacrifices made for us. We're honoring the men and women who risk their lives and bodies for our country and our communities. The Foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America with over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year. Not to mention there are dozens of golf outings and barbecues. The Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute educates kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about our nation's darkest day while helping our nation keep its vow to never forget. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T the number 2 T.org.